What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. 
Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Joined here today by one of the show's best friends, Sarah Ellison. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Sammy. I'm here for it. So let's let's go for it. Very exciting acquisition. Of course, uh, Sammy, one year with Sammy Watkins for five million plus, I believe, a million in incentives uh, that he that are probably will shift that cap. But are, are uh, you know, it, it's an exciting acquisition for uh, for what it is. The Ravens uh, have not had too many youngish receivers that they have picked up in recent years. It's been mostly older guys. Sammy Watkins still has not turned 28. Yeah, so this definitely breaks the mold in that sense in that he's on the the younger side. I mean, anything pre-30 uh is is pretty good. And then on the value, again, it's 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 interesting because fans are almost getting a little perturbed when they hear about value at the wide receiver position. Um now you know, we talked about it with Kevin Zeitler and it's like, oh, that's great. But but at the wide receiver, fans don't want to hear about that anymore because they just want to, you know, blow it up and go get the top guy on the market. But um, but I, the Ravens told us from the beginning they weren't going to go get the quote unquote number one receiver. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. But if you are going to land Sammy Watkins, and again, he is 27 years old, I'll say even with all the injury history that's been out there, Track and PFF both predicted that he'd make 10 million uh, per year. Uh, Track I think, had him getting like a three three year deal and then PFF like a two year deal but both of them were at 10 million per year. So and that's with knowing that he had those those that injury history. So 5 million isn't just value, it's a steal. It's a steal. And we all know about the injury history and all of that, but there's not a lot of risk when you're spending 5 million dollars at the the wide receiver position. And I know that's not what they want to hear, but that is good news. Mm-hmm. Certainly, he he was a, a big number guy for the Chiefs in his three years there. Uh, Forty three million of salary, uh, approximately that paid on the cap. So that's a they paid a lot more. The previous owners of Sammy Watkins' future paid a lot more for that privilege. The Ravens are certainly buying low after an injury history here and still buying young, I think. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that. One of the other things I think I like is that the Ravens are really buying someone who, who more or less fits what they do very well. And there's numerous ways. We'll go through a lot of that on the show. But I'm going to start with the fact that he's a big physical receiver at 6'1", 211. There are guys who are taller and, and there are guys certainly who weigh more. And um, Boykin is bigger and and heavier still uh they share the characteristic that they're both excellent run blockers and as good as boykin is i think watkins is almost as good at a minimum uh as as he is and that's a very exciting thing to add to this offense that is well i you know i know that you get into the the run blocking stuff stuff later but here's here's what's great is is 
I think we're going to try to turn the tables a tiny bit here on, on Ken tonight. Okay. So, so he's so frequently used to bringing on guests and ask them questions. Now what's unique is Ken has looked at, am I right, Ken? Every single play from 2020 from Sammy Watkins. Every target of the year for Sammy Watkins. Yes. Every target of the year. Okay. I have not yet done that. I have done a little bit of, of Sammy Watkins, um, study, but nowhere near at the depth that you've had. So this is, this will be kind of fun trying to reverse it to kind of get, you can, instead of you, you, I mean, I definitely have things to say, but I'm excited to, to learn from you. What, what sticks out from you? Big picture watching all of his targets from 2020. Oh yeah. Well, that sounds great. Let's, uh, let's do it that way then. So <laughs> where to start with Sammy Watkins in 2020, but, uh, he certainly is, uh, a beneficiary of who Patrick Mahomes is. And one of the okay. things I would encourage people to look at, I'm a big fan of catch rate and yards per target for receivers, but his catch rate in particular, uh, yards per target is actually a little bit lower in Kansas city than it was in Buffalo or in his one year with the Rams, but his, um, uh, catch percentage was very consistent, a 55.5% catch percentage guy in his years prior to getting to Kansas City. At Kansas City in his three years there, 64.5% all of a sudden. So it's way up. Okay. And you can see a lot of that in terms of how 2020 evolved, I think, in terms of targets. It's, first of all, it's a lot of short passes. Most of the passes to the other, sorry, they have other speed options on the team at Hardman and Hill, who were more of the deep threats on the team. Watkins was really a short area, middle of the field, and extended play option. Very yep. rarely used vertically. Yeah. Okay. So, so high kick catch percentage, mm -hmm. uh, and you think that is because of those short passes and because of Mahomes? Oh, it has a, a yes. I'd say both of those things. There's, a, there's. A, I have a whole list of things that okay. I think, you know, influenced it positively and negative. I think the many short passes. There's a bunch of smoke routes and a, and a bunch of times where they really took advantage of the fact that coverage was off on Watkins in particular. That I think is worth examining individually. But we'll come back to that. Um, I think the, the, just the fact of Mahomes' accuracy. In increased his percentage. I think he had good extended play characteristics that we can get into some as well uh, that probably created some good second opportunities to make a catch. Now, those are targets which might be themselves lower percentage targets because he essentially created a distressed target on a lot of those extended plays. But in the Chiefs case, more than with other cases, I think they're oftentimes unpressured extended targets as opposed to what happens with other quarterbacks. So I, a variety of reasons. He certainly had a very low percentage of contested catches, which I thought was very interesting. That certainly uh, would tend to increase his catch rate. Uh, you know, he, he had some other things individually that I thought impacted his catch, his uh, target count and probably increased his denominator slightly. That, that probably happened for every receivers. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just that, that playing with Patrick Mahomes in a Chiefs offense, that where he was a short area target primarily are the big reasons why his catch percentage is up so much. Okay. Okay. You do not expect that to continue in Baltimore. No, I, I think um, I think there are things about it that make a lot of sense, but I think there more vertically is going to be expected of Sammy Watkins in Baltimore because he's the number two guy and not the number three guy. So he'll come in and if he's on the outside, they'll expect him to do some of the things that Boykin did and expected to take some deep routes. 
One of the things that there's a very big dearth of in terms of his targets is targets that are between level two and level three. It's not like there are none. It's there are many fewer than you'd hope for a receiver like Watkins. A large percentage of his target share are these, you know, four yard, five yard out routes where he has to try and do something after the catch or, or you know, a, a crossing pattern or some movement off bunch or, or a quick pass that's out of Mahomes' hand quickly because the defender is playing too uh, deep on him off the line of scrimmage. A lot of manipulation along the line of scrimmage with motion to try and get Watkins' shallower press guy onto an outside receiver, which then creates an opportunity for Mahomes to throw to Watson. It's That's not too much different, by the way, from releasing off a bunch formation is you've only got, you know, your, your, your people are kind of set up to defend three levels of routes. And so it's not a great opportunity to uh, to, to cover somebody like Watkins out of that. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So just to hit up on, on some of your notes here about his target. So you've got two balls you might call drops, three if you're stingy. So f- so very strong hands. Yeah. I, I he, There was one ball in the New Orleans game that seemed to go a little bit high. I did not have an angle at field level on the ball, but on both of the all 22 shots, it, it seemed like it was a little high, but it kind of went through his hands. I would count that one as a drop. He was wide open at the time. Um, there were there were two other balls where he kind of had to lean into a one. One into the end zone was a tough grab, but I can understand why somebody might call it a drop. And another one, which was a which a much harder one on the field of play, uh, that was a, a fairly significant um, dive where the play was actually reviewed and the reception was overturned. So I, I guess I could see how they call that a drop, but it seems still seems like that's the one that's pretty stingy. Uh, and and of course, if two drops in a in a 55 target season or thereabouts is, is not bad at all. I think I would actually say he had 54 targets on the year. So I would even peg his catch rate a little higher than that 67% that the, uh, uh, you see, you'll see on pro football reference, 67.3%. So I, I think he was 37 of 54 actually. So PFF had him get was, was a bit stingy. They gave mm-hmm. him three drops for the year, but I think this is definitely important. I think one of the themes that I'll probably keep coming back to is, is it just seemed to me that Lamar lacked com- confidence mm-hmm. in, in a lot of his receivers. Um, and then even the receivers he had confidence in, like Hollywood, Hollywood, th- Hollywood went through a stretch where he was, he was dropping balls. But by the end of the season, he seemed to be doing much better. But even Mark Andrews in very clutch situations where, where the Ravens needed him, uh, he seemed to have some drops. So I think that there's going to be different areas where we'll see this, but this is one of those areas where Lamar, you know, can gain some trust and we'll see how that, that chemistry goes. But if you know that if you're going to put it on target for Sammy, he's going to come up with it. You know, he's not letting that ball hit the ground. So I think that'll be one place where, you know, he'll, he'll be able to add that trust with Lamar. Yeah, it, that'll be an interesting one because I think that Andrews has the trust to go make a difficult catch and defend against an interception. And mm-hmm. looking at every single one of, of the Mahomes to Watkins balls this year, there were not really a lot of times where he had to defend an interception. In fact, all these short passes, um, there were no balls that got intercepted that were, that were targeted him. In fact, Watkins threw an interception himself on a pass intended for Patrick Mahomes. It was the weirdest situation. <laughs> Razzle dazzle on fourth and one. If you want to go back and look at that, it's a uh, it's it's a funny play. But uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't have any interceptions on the balls that were that were targeting him. So uh, that was one of the really positive things about his his year. 
What do you think of him um, against the zone? Because here's what we know. We actually had a late night Twitter conversation, you and I, about this, where I was trying to look up the numbers. The, the best number I could find um, was back in mid-December. At that point, Lamar had faced zone 75% of the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how defenses are, are defending him, of course, because you can't be in, in man coverage. If you turn your back to him, <laughs> you know, you're going to lose him and he's gone. So defenses, for the most part, um, for the most part, defend him in the zone, which requires that wide receivers have some savvy yeah. and find the soft spots in the zone coverage. How did you see uh, Sammy Watkins doing that in, in Kansas City? There's, there's two things that very closely relate to that and, and relate to who Pat Mahomes is as a quarterback and how he threatens defenses. The first was that we saw him uh, face zone a lot of the time and a high percentage of the time on Watkins targets. And there's a lot of effort to try and beat, have Watkins beat a zone. And it's always in front of that zone entirely, which there's some of that, and also okay. some between level two and level three, where he's trying to try to do that. In, in the close cousin of beating zone defense is winning free space in an extended play. It's a very okay. close cousin because what, what you'll often see is there's one player on the field who is responsible for rushing the quarterback once the pocket is broken. And it's usually one of the two inside zone defenders if the defense is in zone or it's it's an inside linebacker if the if the uh, coverage is man. But there's usually one guy. And it could be a safety, obviously, too. But it's it's a guy in the middle of the field who is not otherwise rushing the quarterback is then charged with rushing the quarterback once he leaves the pocket because he's the primary guy you need to you need to cover. Well, at that point, a receiver of Watkins savvy is able to say, oh, my guy is vacating his area and find that spot. Whether man mm. or zone, he still has a, a, a decent opportunity to find space there. And Watkins, I thought, was exceptionally good at that. And Watkins and Mahomes really had a connection with that. That's why they were so good on extended plays. There were a lot of cases where he was covered very well, even late in the play, and he would still be able to, to get off that coverage, get free, and, and create value for Mahomes. Well, let's talk a little bit more about extended play. So um, this this actually makes me there's a lot of things that I feel like translate from Kansas City to 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 Baltimore. And we'll get into more. But this is one of them. Um, Lamar Mahomes. Um, Allen. Um, and. How am I Russell forgetting Wilson? his name? Russell Wilson. Yeah. So uh, Sports Info Solutions has like a, a list of, of who had the most um, catches and broken plays. Sammy, I think, was like number seven, something like that. Huh. He had nine targets on broken. So on scramble drills, nine targets, nine were catchable, and he caught seven of them for 87 yards and one, one touchdown. So as you can imagine, the receivers that are, are just above Sammy, and you have to remember, Sammy only played in... Uh, 10, ten games, games last year, exactly, ten yeah. games last year, and he's seventh in the league. And so it was people like um, Hollywood and and uh, Andrews and some of the other uh, receivers and these quarterbacks that like to scramble. So that directly translates. Mm -hmm. So that so that made me really really happy to see that Sammy Watkins was so high in those broken plays because that is exactly what Lamar needs. And again, coming back to the trust. The trust situation. Who who do you feel like? I remember when when Mark, very beginning, when Mark Andrews and Lamar mm -hmm. 
had almost instant chemistry. And even uh, Mark Andrews was saying that he's never had better chemistry than 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 anybody than he's played with Lamar. And look where he came from, you know. Right. <laughs> so so you're that's what that's what Lamar needs. He needs somebody that like just feels he feels like they have yeah this this feel for each other and so if if sammy can do it for mahomes you'd like to hope you'd like to think he could do it for lamar too yeah i i think i think that's a very reasonable uh translation there a re- very reasonable projection it's great stat too that, that you have about the about the top uh broken play players i did not know that but it does make sense based on the on the on the video i watched uh you know there's there's a lot to like about the middle of the field um Okay. I, will, I won't say preference, but I'll say um, uh, non-preference to outside the numbers. And the, the receiver who had that, who came to the Ravens a few years ago, was Michael Crabtree. And Michael Crabtree, you know, obviously another one of these aging receivers didn't work out for the Ravens, I think you'd have to say. But uh, Carr in Oakland used him as a security blanket. It held down his catch rate. And a lot of that was outside of the numbers. And the reason it was outside of the numbers was that's the place where he knew he could get Crabtree into a one-on-one situation and hope Crabtree would go up and get the football for him when he was hustling around to avoid pressure. And he said, oh, I'm throwing it up for Crabtree. Okay. Um, he hasn't, Watkins has not been in that situation. Mahomes has been able to pretty much pick defenses apart at will, as we know, and use his own legs to get out of trouble. And, and you know, he'll throw a ball away occasionally uh, that oftentimes is not attributed as a target to Watkins. And if it is, I, I'm sure it's less than most other quarterbacks have such throwaways to their receivers. But the point I'm going to make is that Watkins' job was never to be one-on-one on the outside with some other cornerback and be there for Mahomes to throw up a one-on-one ball. That's not how Mahomes operates. Uh, and I don't okay. think it's how Lamar operates either. So I think him being very comfortable coming over the middle of the field, and he's got other characteristics which make him good there too, which we can talk about. But him coming back over the middle of the field is, is something I really like. I, I separated his 54 targets. I threw out one that I think was actually target of Kelsey, but there are 54 other targets. And if you look at outside the left numbers, 12 of 54, so slightly more than, than, than one-fifth. Between okay. the left numbers and the uh, left hash, 13. I'm sorry, did you, did you have something to say? I'm, you guys, you're, no, you're, no, I'm, no, 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 yeah. I'm visualizing it. I'm going left over, over, go. over. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't pick up on Because I'm trying to put this in my, in my mind. I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. And remember, these areas are not exactly of equal size, but it's often a way that the, the, the field is divided into fifths. And it's so certainly the way I've done it whenever I've been charting acquisitions and whatnot. Um, the middle of the field between the hashes, seven targets, which is a lot for one season, a high percentage of 54, because that area is smaller. Uh, between the right hash and the right numbers, 14 balls. And so that's 34 of the 54 are between the numbers. And on on the right outside, outside the right numbers, eight more targets. So there's no, for, first of all, he doesn't line up always on the same side of the field at all. He right. lines up slot. He lines up outside. The Chiefs are always trying to get a mismatch for someone. And oftentimes it's him. Sometimes it's Kelsey. Sometimes it's Hill. Sometimes it's trying to get Hardman deep. It's a lot of things. But oftentimes it's trying to get Watkins where nobody is really opposite him with the proper responsibilities off the ball and then Mahomes will throw a quick target and the fact that he lines up everywhere is I think has been really an asset obviously Boykin has been in particularly a singularly left side outside receiver 
So he doesn't have the flexibility that Watkins brings to the table in terms of he's in the game. You know something about how the Ravens are going to line up with Boykin. With Watkins, I don't think you know the same things at all. Well, okay, so I have a comment, then I have a question. So one word that keeps that kept coming up for me as I was studying Watkins, it was versatility. Mm-hmm. You you keep using the word flexibility. I would also, yeah, I think versatility is kind of in there. And and this is a in because in my mind he's versatile because um he still has burst. He's still he's still a fast guy, but he's also a physical guy. He's not the most physical. He wasn't the most Kelsey was the most physical, and he doesn't need to be the most physical here. That's gonna be Andrews. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the fastest because that was Tyreek Hill and even Hardman. Yes. And he doesn't need to be the fastest here either because Hollywood and Duvernay, there's so much speed. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have speed, that he still doesn't have burst. Mm-hmm. He has it. But he's he's just so versatile. And so you're bringing that in here when you're talking about, you know, kind of where, where all of his, his, uh, numbers are. You said 13, 12, 7, 14, and eight going from left to right. 12, 13, 7, 14, eight. Okay. got it backwards. Okay. So, so again, so, so that's, that's wonderful. Here's one thing that I have a question for you. Okay. So on the one hand, I think it's great. You've been pointing out how many um, receptions he gets in the middle of the field. Because mm-hmm. that's where Lamar's bread and butter is, right? Like mm-hmm. just the middle of the field, middle of the field. That's ex- And again, zone defenses, that's all great. And at the same time, I feel like in part, the Ravens went out and kind of did this desperation move to get Des Bryant because they weren't getting enough on the outside. So when the middle was completely clogged, and that's how defenses were like, we're just going to clog the middle of the field. You know, Lamar gets knocked for not throwing to the outside, and part of that is on him, but is part of that on the fact that he didn't really have receivers who could do much out there? What, what are your thoughts? Um, there, there are certain routes which I think take away from the value of having Lamar Jackson on your team. And I've been a fan, I, I, you know, I was a big fan of Joe Flacco having a 10-yard um, stop route being a great thing he had, particularly early in his career with Mason. It was oh, something- Mason, it was like money every single time, <laughs> every and, time. And, and Flacco threw, you know, that 95 mile an hour fastball that, yeah. that was going to get to his back shoulder and be accurate most of the time. And, and that, was, that was a great connection. It really made sense. I think you actually take away from who Lamar Jackson is when you throw a back shoulder route. It's not like you shouldn't have it in the repertoire. You should. It should mm-hmm. it should be threatened so the whole defense doesn't you know kind of crowd in uh, to the edge of the tight ends and and, and whatnot that much more, uh, but but you but you have to use it sparingly because what you really want is you want Lamar to extend plays where that's most evident is in the red zone. You know the Ravens never throw a fade route because they always are looking for that back and forth. Um, movement of Jackson to create a throwing lane by itself. Mm. And it's the same thing works on these outside routes is if you throw that route, if you throw that smoke route to Des Bryant that we saw a couple times early in the when in his return here, um, you're you're wasting who Lamar Jackson is all of a sudden. You just you you've taken him out of the play as soon as the football leaves his hand. Um, and and you know you've you've you try and create a one-on-one matchup for Des, which is barely better than a run play, if at all. You know, if I looked at those those plays, you know, I'm not very excited about the results when they when they go for four, five, six yards. You know, that's a Ravens run play. 
So yeah, I, I'm I'm I, I'm more excited to get a Ravens option play, which turns into a pass, be a you know a, a greater value to what the what the team brings. And you know, I think one of the nice things about versatility that you mentioned before is the fact that he's versatile in the fact that he can be a possession receiver, mm-hmm. but he can also be a good run blocker. I think that's a great versatility right there. Okay, let's let's talk about that because you have been, and, and I agree with you, we've been talking so much about Miles Boykin and his blocking. And I finally found the analogy of why that always leaves me um, wanting more. So to me, a receiver that can block really well, to me, is icing, is, is a cherry on the cake, right? Mm-hmm. It's cherry on the cake because their number one um, job is to catch a ball mm-hmm. and not to block. Although in this offense, it's really good it's more than one cherry on the cake it's a couple cherries on the cake but with boykin all i got was the cherries and no cake yeah, <laughs> you know you what go. i mean like <laughs> i'm like i ordered a cake with a few shot cherries on top like i never got any cake with boykin you know yeah. or at least very little of it whereas so you, with go ahead you got a c in your math class and you got an a in phys ed and <laughs> yeah. it doesn't it just it doesn't give you make you a b student right I, I, exactly I, I do, exactly. I do kind of agree with that with that uh, concept. Although I'd say um, it's more like the credits are even, or the value of those two things are even in the Ravens' offense than they lean heavily on the receiving side. So I, I, I it's more valuable. I'm not going to say it's it's. Um, it's not as valuable. You no, know, you're right. It's still not as valuable. But maybe it's three yeah. to two instead of instead of being three to one is really the, the proper weighting. Okay. Okay. Well, then point it being though. Enter Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. who's the cake and can give you some cherries. You know what I mean? In, in the sense that, and I and I like this because with with Boykin, if he's in there, he really wasn't that much of a threat. And so you know, with with Sammy Watkins, who can do both, so you can put him in there on these run first looks, and he could be a good blocker if you're actually running, or if it's play action, it's like, oh well, you know, <laughs> he really can. Do more play. He'll be a, a threat in play action right. and doesn't totally give away that it's going to actually be a run or or something like that. So I think he'd be an asset in in tight tight formations where they're establishing them the run and then all of a sudden you know they spread the defense out and 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 he can he can catch him too. So I like that that Sammy Watkins is both the cake and he has cherries, which the Ravens definitely need. Whereas Boykin just hadn't gotten there yet and get and didn't give enough cake. I I, I don't want to bash Boykin because I, first of all I think there's still growth there. I think he can become a better receiver than he has been to date. I think he could do more. But there is an unfortunate circumstance for Miles is that is that he's going to be more of a direct comparison to a player like Watkins. And so Watkins coming in, uh, Boykin probably has more uh, high end speed, definitely has more high end speed than Watkins. Um, but it's it, it hasn't really translated itself well to the football field. And if you look at the other things, you know, you can make the case Sammy Watkins is as good a, a run blocker as Miles Boykin is. Miles Boykin, tremendous run blocker in a very key role here in Baltimore. Uh, but Watkins really stands out on the tape as being a, a big physical presence. Uh, we've seen him cross the field uh, regularly, Watkins, uh, to make catches all over. He's great with extended plays. We've seen some of that from Miles Boykin. That's been some of what's good about him. But we, ha- we certainly haven't gotten a lot of the cake of that so far as you would describe it. Um, right. So I think there's a lot of direct comparisons where he either ties or is behind 
um, Watkins as a receiver for Boykin. So I, I, I do think that's going to be an unfortunate circumstance for him. And he's certain to lo- certain to lose snaps this year, uh, not relative to last year necessarily, but relative to what he would have otherwise had had Watkins not been here. I tend to be a um, devil's advocate on Boykin, depending on who I'm talking with, you know? Mm -hmm. So like today, you know, there was somebody in my Twitter mentions that had said that he expects Boykin to be cut. And I'm like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like he absolutely should not. Yeah. (laughs) And I told him, I was like, I will buy you a steak dinner. (laughs) Okay. If the Ravens (laughs) cut Boykin, because, because, uh, you know, while I, I do want to be factual, which comes across as tough in that he, here's the thing. The Ravens put all their eggs in that basket last year. Mm -hmm. They expected Boykin to take a step. He didn't take it. Thus, they brought in Dez and try to do and try to do some more things. And that he was didn't even take worse. it. And that was the yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, and which which the Ravens realized, as you can see by the snaps in the playoffs. But um, uh, so so the, having said that, I remember years back um, defending Bowser. Mm-hmm. And now he's the guy that the Ravens gave, you know, a sure. second contract to. So so I just want to say it's, uh, you know, the Ravens really put up went all in on Boykin and, and Hollywood. Hollywood some, came through in the middle at the end of the season in the playoffs. Boykin did not. But that doesn't mean that Boykin is to be cut off. Like, I still believe in it. Sammy's going to be here for one year. Boykin's going to be here for two more years. So we all want to hope that that Boykin still takes another step. And hopefully he does that by watching Sammy, because as you said, uh, I, they, they are similar. I'll give you a better sort one. Of. Okay. I, I want him to beat Sammy out of his job. Sure. I want him to take Sammy's job and not because Sammy's ineffective, because Sammy's very effective on a first snap basis. And Boykin is even better. And mm-hmm. because Boykin is the one that the Ravens have their longer term future tied to Watkins will not be in Baltimore in all likelihood in two years. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's come here. He's trying to have a big year so that he can go somewhere else and get a big contract after this. Uh, it's a very reasonable uh, you know, thing for maybe Watkins doesn't even care about the money that much at this point in his career. But I think he probably does. I think he wants to be taken serious at age 28, being now 27 yep. at age 28, as far as where he is as a as a receiver and, and how he could help his next team. Uh, but I think also he wants to win a Super Bowl. And, and this is a place to do it. And he wasn't he didn't have an offer from Kansas City, which would have been another good place. That's correct. That's correct. OK, uh, going back down your notes here. OK, we've hit the zone. You feel like you've hit the short underneath routes. Yeah, I think one other thing to say about that is uh, Sammy Watkins is not a slot receiver and he's not an outside receiver. I think that one thing we see in terms of Sammy in the slot is that he has really exceptional whip ability, meaning whip route ability. Uh, So whoever is lined up opposite him has to be very careful with their footwork and they almost have to give ground in order to respect the whip route. And I I don't think that um, I I, I think he's not Wes Welker and he's not Edelman, but he's but he's got good whip skills for a receiver. And the Ravens haven't had that in a while from a kind of a bigger physical guy, Uh, you know, a guy who could could turn one way, get the get the defensive back to commit that way, then whip back the other way and create separation very quickly. He's very good on his cuts, too. I thought, you know, actually, when he plants his foot and this goes together with being a whip route because the skills are in large large part the same. Uh, He plants very well, sits down in the chair well to decelerate as a receiver, 
to make a break. Uh, those things both both looked really good to me in terms of his ability. And, he, and he's not a perfect receiver. I, I, you know, vertical explosiveness is the problem with Sammy Watkins. If 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 the other team is playing off him, if they're playing zone, you really it, it makes it harder to throw him the football on any kind of a vertical route. Yeah, I think his um, physicality in his route running is a little bit um, under underrated. And again, I didn't go back to every target, but I did watch some of his stuff against the Ravens, who obviously have a very yes. good secondary. And and he did what you were talking about, like in those, in those cut routes, he seemed to get, um, especially in one, Marcus Peters, to go one way. He, yes. he got, he, like, that's how savvy a route runner is against Marcus Peters, who's a phenomenal corner. But he got Peters to go one way, and all of a sudden he cuts the other way, and he's open. Uh, he didn't catch a ball on this one, but um, I think it was from the slot against Humphrey. He mm-hmm. did this quick chop and, like, wasn't deterred by by Humphrey's physicality. And he's very physical. So so uh, he is underrated in, in that part. Do you have a note? Because I was going to say something I do. about from, slots and, and wide. Go ahead. From those from that exact game, I mean, it, Watkins caught seven of eight balls in that game. And I don't know what people remember of it, but Mahomes picked the Ravens apart, including when they got some pressure, when they put all kinds of deceptive pressure looks on him. Mahomes beat, it up, beat him every which way in that game. Uh, but Watkins was, was exceptionally effective, and it was a lot of short passes so if i look at the at the at the uh, okay this is the yards before catch and the yards after the catch i'm not giving you the total but it's nine plus six three plus two ten plus zero five plus zero seven plus zero nine plus zero so you can see there's a lot of quick mm-hmm. tackles made by the ravens but he got open on these plays and mm-hmm. created enough separation for these things to happen you're exactly right on the uh, whip route on Peters. It was the very first uh, throw to Watkins in that game. Q2, 15 minutes, if you want to go back and look at it. That kind of whip route ability is exactly what I was looking for. I saw it three or four other times for the rest of the season where he really took advantage of a decent defensive back and was able to make that move very quickly. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Yes, yes. So I, I love that, that, that the route running ability. Um, and then you started out by saying that he's not a slot receiver. He's not a wide, a mm-hmm. wide out receiver. So I wanted to look up, cause I got a lot of questions today on who's going to be in the slot and who's going to be out wide. And I just wanted to look in 2020. So Sammy was actually 50, 50, essentially he had a 177 slot snaps and 182 wide. Okay. So he can do both. Again, we're talking about versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood. So this is the question I want to get your thoughts on it. Hollywood. I got a lot of people wanting Hollywood in, in the slot. Um, although I see Duvernay mostly there, um, next season, but Hollywood last year, 23% of his snaps were in the slot and, uh, 77% were out wide. 
What are your thoughts? Now, you know, let me first say this. I think that, and John Harbaugh has said this, he likes his receivers to play in all sorts of positions. He doesn't, sure. it's kind of like on defense where they keep moving everybody and they, they've got their outside linebackers doing different things and whatnot. And I think, and the same, and the same with the offensive line, they want their offensive linemen to be able to play more than one position. And that's extended to the wide receivers. So I do expect the Ravens to have these guys, especially because Sammy, I just showed you, Sammy was 50-50. He can move in and out. Holly Hollywood has done it. Duvernay last year, again, he didn't have a ton of snaps, but he was about 50-50. Duvernay was 47-53. Boykin was mostly outside. Uh, he was 9% in, 91% out. But mm-hmm. they got a lot of players who are versatile, so I expect them to move around. But I get a lot of questions about Hollywood in the slot. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. There's, there's two kind of components to it. The first is, what's his ability to create separation in the slot? And I think Hollywood has a lot of those abilities, but I'm not really, I don't know yet whether Hollywood has the same whip ability that Duvernay has for sure, but that Watkins might have to even a greater degree than, than Hollywood, even though Hollywood's faster. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. I just don't know because some of it's leverage reading. So he's got to look at his opponent and say, when do I have him? There, I got him. And, and, and immediately know that's the time to plant and go. Mm-hmm. Lamar does it extremely well with the run. So people in Baltimore are familiar, I'm sure, with with what I'm talking about here, but I don't think you can necessarily project that onto Hollywood in the slot. We'd have to actually see it. And the second thing about Hollywood in the slot is the contact component. So if Hollywood gets separation, I don't have a problem with him, you know, being a high probability to catch the football. I think that's always going to be true wherever he is on the field, but it's, it's going to be more likely that, or, or probably less likely that he'll do the things necessary to run through contact. And that's yeah. where Watkins might be the better slot receiver because he's a more big, you know, he's 30 pounds heavier, f- more than that, maybe. And, and, and a very physical receiver who's used to running through a lot of that contact. And Duvernay's side. more physical also. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. he's a little ball of muscle. Yeah. 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 And, and Hollywood, um, he changed a little bit by the end of the year, but I mean, we saw Hollywood, he was, tackling himself before he really got hit mm-hmm. um in in 19 definitely and, and i was okay with that because he was coming off the foot injury sure but did it in the beginning of 2020 but he and he finally got more yak and, and was pushing harder by the end of the year but that's my concern about putting hollywood in in the slot also is that is that physicality yeah um okay just wanted to see where you were at on that um, let's see. You've got bunch formations. What's that all about? So uh, the Steelers use it a lot. The, the Chiefs use it a lot is when you have uh, two or three stacked or grouped receivers at one point on the field and you run three routes off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, it, it kind of gets to the point that you don't want the receiver to be all in the same at the same place at the same time. Well, bunch formation, you start with that and then you try and r- use a rub or a pick to get one of your players free or you, you use the confusion at the line of scrimmage at, or the inability for them to cover all three levels and all three uh, horizontal positions um, necessary to, to uh, cover those routes. And so it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to cover. It creates challenges, puts stress on the defense, uh, kind of like the Ravens run, run option concepts do, you know, when they, when they run a, right, a, a, right, right, right. you know, a, you know, power read or whatever they might be running, you, you're, you're giving the defense a couple of different things they have to cover on the same play. The Chiefs ate the Ravens alive 
with bunch of formations. And a lot of that was uh, Patrick Queen not knowing where he was supposed to be in that game. But, th- but it wasn't only Patrick Queen. Let me put it that way. LJ okay. Ford got lost on a bunch of formations. I mean, there's, a, there's all kinds of things to look through here that, that it was other, other players than just Patrick Queen. Not something the Ravens do a lot with um, the receivers, correct? Those they do formations. it a little bit, but but they do it. They don't do it much. The Ravens have have always been a, f- a fairly set group. And there's something else is that in order to really run bunch formations, you need to have more receivers on the field. So if the Ravens are committing to two backs or or you know a 21 or 12 personnel, it, it's more difficult to group your receivers all in one place because remember now if if you have two two in the backfield you have to have one and two on each side to make sure you have a legal formation because you're gotcha. five you, yeah you're, yeah gotcha um okay so okay we went over edelman welker, welker there um contested balls we touched on that in a in for a for a little bit but to dive a little bit deeper um it's interesting because I saw your note on that. So I went to go look it up that he had very few con- contested balls in 2020. So I looked it up and I found that Sammy Watkins had four contested targets. That's incredible. This is according, uh, this is according <laughs> to PFF and one contested catch. But then I went back to 2019. He had 20 contested targets. And eight contested catches. What do you think the difference is there? You know, that's an interesting thing. And I didn't look at his 2019 film. So I wouldn't be able to tell you what changed between those two seasons. But I'll say that that based on him having a lot of short routes, yeah. a lot of, um, you know, th- that that's going to cut down on the number of contested. Ca- He's not getting jump balls deep, for example. That's an easy way to pick up uh, contested targets. Uh, right. He's not he's not getting a lot of those balls where the coverage has a chance to converge. Uh, he was getting a lot of short passes and a lot of good opportunities by Mahomes to run after the catch. Uh, and, you know, the four really it really stands out. I mean, you watch him play and it's like, boy, you know, he's he's he gets decent separation on short yeah. routes. They scheme a lot to make sure that he's separated. So, uh, you know, I'm I, I'd have a hard time really talking intelligently about it without seeing the yeah. 2019 film, but they just didn't use him as much vertically, which I think probably was part of what cut down on his number. It was probably part of it. So but what's interesting is I also looked up and I didn't write it down. I should have. I also looked up uh, Kelsey's contested catches because I'd figured he'd have the most and he did, but it still did. It still paled in comparison. Mark Andrews last yeah, year. That's what I want to know. Yeah. is <laughs> 30 contested catch targets, 30 30, which again, it just, again, I, I wish I wrote it down, but Kelsey wasn't even in there and he caught 15 of them. Hollywood Brown had 11 contested catches and only caught three of them. And so, uh, and I could be wrong. I feel like, you know, maybe part of the reason why there weren't a lot of contested catches is because Mahomes had like a million receivers <laughs> yes, and he could pick which one that was going to be open. You know what I mean? He could, he could see who's got the double team who doesn't, whereas Lamar very clearly trusted Mark Andrews the most. And even when he was covered, he'd throw it to him anyway, because he'd know that a covered Mark Andrews would probably come down with it more than a uncovered, whatever. I won't say anybody else's name. Sure. I keep bashing him. <laughs> but but a, yeah, don't, you don't get what that. I mean? Yeah. Let's, so let's go, let's do a little math with that. You said it was 13 out of 30 uncontested. 
That's what she said. Uh, he caught just... he caught fifteen out of he caught Mark Andrews. Yes, he caught fifteen true. on thirty targets. Yeah, contested. Okay, ca- so targets. we can do a little math. When I subtract the thirty from his targets and the fifteen from his receptions, he goes forty three for fifty eight, seventy four percent catch rate. Uh, that's a, that's obviously a very substantial increase, but he, he caught only half his balls when they were contested. And by the way, I don't think that's a bad contested catch rate. I think that's mm-hmm. that's may, might be even pretty good. Um, but but it's certainly it, when I look at at Mark Andrews catch percentage, which for a tight end is not exceptionally high. That's one of the things I'll have to look at and say, hey, you know, he's he's getting a lot more contested catches in this offense than he would in another. Okay, here you go. Here you go. I just got Travis Kelsey. Okay, this is it was a big drop in the catches. So Kelsey had 23 targets on contested contested targets, and he only had seven catches. Whoa. Okay, so well, this is worth looking at the non-contested catch rate of these two players. Give that to me again. It was 23, right? 23 and seven. So 122. And so 30 percent. And seven, I have to take away from his catches. That's 98 catches he made still without that. So his non-contested catch rate was 80%. And, mm. and it was about 74 for Andrews. That's a uh, uh, rarefied air for, for uh, Kelsey, certainly, as we would expect. Um, but still pretty good for Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was all interesting. So, yeah, that's but 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 it but it is something that I want though. I mean, uh, he, he, Sammy Watkins obviously didn't. They didn't need it, as you said. He got separation. So if you've got separation, there it's probably not going to be as big of a contested ball. And and Mahomes had a wealth of things. But I do. I would like to see going back to that 29, 2019, where he had twenty contested um, targets. You know, that's interesting. But I just want more people. You know, Lamar makes everybody look so good. I want more people that's going to make Lamar look good. And I'm really hoping that Sammy can do that because that's what Mark Andrews does when he's, even when he's not open, he makes plays for his quarterback. That's what I want from Sammy Watkins or anybody that they draft or anybody. Like, help Lamar out, make him look good just as he makes everybody else look good. Well, if, if, if you're comparing this move to, to Des Bryant, Sammy Watkins is up here. You can guess where my hands are. And Des Bryant is, <laughs> is, is down here in terms of relative ability, which you'd expect given the money they paid for each of these guys. Um, if you're talking about you know, other receivers who have more vertical explosiveness and could do more, you know, there are other options out there who would give the Ravens more yeah. as a receiver. And I think that's clear from the money they spent on Watkins is that they're taking a risk in terms of injury, first of all, and they're taking a um, a guy who, while he has a lot of positive qualities that I think fit the Ravens pretty well, is clearly not at the top of the receiver class um, in, in a lot of the characteristics. Yeah. Okay, so what else here? Have we hit pretty much everything? We've kind of been scattered, but... Yeah, I see if we've missed every, if we've got everything here. I'm not feeling deprived of uh, the points I made. Really want to thank Maureen for going through this with me and, and, uh, and uh, being the scribe for all this, or I wouldn't be able to read it and, and uh, do what I do. Uh, You know, was one other thing I wanted to, wanted to talk about, and it's something I thought was really important a couple of years ago. And Chris Moore in 
Lamar's rookie year had been a really good bad ball catcher. And he caught something like 19 out of 25 balls in 2018, uh, 76% catch rate. And a lot of it was on some, or maybe that was 17, actually. That might have been 2017. But anyway, in, in, in 18, I thought that's a, that's a really good thing for Lamar to have as a bad ball catcher because Lamar is a little bit w- w- much wilder in terms of, of hitting the catcher's mitt than uh, uh, Mahomes is. So mm-hmm. it, that, you know, a little bit less accuracy might make him more of a go-to receiver in that case. With Watkins, uh, it's really hard to judge him as a bad ball receiver because there are so few bad balls. So it's, it's I think, you know, he did yeah. very well, but a lot of it is really Mahomes. And, and I'm afraid that one thing we're going to see is that not having Patrick Mahomes is going to really make a difference in terms of Sammy Watkins' stats. Hmm. Okay. All right. Have to watch out for that. I hope it's not too, too much different. I hope it's not a big drop off. Um, uh, go ahead. I should say, let's just manage expectations. Yes. yes. We shouldn't be doing what I saw people do with Lee Evans and projecting a 1400 yard season as soon as. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll give you this then Ken. Okay. And this might be a stretch because he's only done this once. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe we'll touch on injuries a little bit more because I have some thoughts on that, but Let's say he he plays 16. I guess it'll be 17 games this season with the with the new news, right? We'll see. Oh, was there news today? That's it's different. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying from from uh, what what was it a couple days ago when Adam Schefter said it could be 17 games coming out, mm-hmm. right? So, so okay, but let's say it's 16. It's a 16 game season, and he actually plays 16 games. What are you, what do you think are appropriate expectations? For Sammy Watkins, okay, in I'm, terms of of catches and passing yards and touchdowns, right? I would work backwards from the number of targets you expect for Sammy. So if he plays sixteen games, I presume he's going to have a, a a pretty dominant position snap wise. Um, he's been between fifty two and ninety targets for each of the last five years, and that includes his last year at Buffalo, the one year at L A, and all three at Kansas City. So it's not like in any year at Kansas City that he really stuck out. Uh, stuck out in terms of targets if you're already guaranteeing playing he plays 16 games he hasn't done that since his rookie year so the last five years he's Mm -hmm. played 8 15 10 14 and 10 games i think it's about an average of 12 games for for his whole career sounds about right yep yeah yep Uh, so if if you're gonna if if you, how about we project him to twelve games and say what's okay. okay? Okay. So if he, if he's if he's healthy for twelve games, then I think I'd expect him to get about sixty targets in the Ravens' offense, five targets okay. per game for twelve games. That's actually that's actually sounds a little bit high to me that now that I'm saying it, um, it might be slightly lower than that. I mean, let's say four and a half targets per game. So instead of sixty, he ends up with fifty-four targets. I think if he could get. Uh, 8.5 or even 8 yards per target. I think that would be consistent with what he's done in the rest of his years. Uh, so I think if you're looking at 54 targets and say 8.5 yards per target, you'd be looking at about 459 receiving yards. Touchdowns? Uh, touchdowns. Two or three? Yeah. Um, He's he's that great space maker at the end of plays. He could easily, and Boykin had some success doing that. Lamar is the right quarterback to do that. I'm going to put it four touchdowns. Okay, okay, okay. I like it. Okay, so so that's that's a good starting point for I think you know fans that are listening. Um, 
54 targets, 400, 459 yards. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's nowhere near a thousand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, four touchdowns. Okay. Um, I will add, and I will add that where I think Sammy Watkins is going to bring most value is going to be the postseason. Um, you know, I'm not so worried if if that's his stat line, and the Ravens are still by far the number one rushing attack. Oh yeah, um, that'd be fine. <laughs> this, this is great. This is yeah. this is everything that you need. What I'm excited for is in those playoffs when the situation comes that the running attack has been shut down, who's going to step up because all, all defenses had to do was, was really stop, you know, the top two. And so right. Sammy with all that experience, I think is massive. Okay. I, I want to address the general notion that in the, you're not going to win in the playoffs unless you do that, you know, kind of a Shatner esque right. kind of a thing I hear on Twitter all the time. It's just a, it's an over emoted reaction to things. The reason the Ravens run game gets stopped in the playoffs is typically because the weather will not allow for the passing game to work. That's generally going to be true for any quarterback. It's absolutely true in that miserable Buffalo game last year that they scored three points in. It was a horrible, windy day. And, and you know, it was not favoring either team in terms of their ability to pass. The, the Bills offense suffered tremendously. They only had one drive the whole game. Um, and, you know, they had, a, they had a pick six as well. But, the, the you know, it, it, the, the previous game uh, that Lamar had, you know, the Lamar-led offense had 530 offensive yards against the Titans in the loss. It was still a wind-aided interception that started the Titans off to the lead off Andrew's hands. So it's, it's, it's a, if, if you don't have good weather, I almost feel like in, in some sense, they should build a dome for Lamar Jackson to play in because, <laughs> it, you know, it'd be the house that Jackson built because he would be so much more effective if he were installed in New Orleans, say, or, uh, you know, in Indianapolis or a place where he was, he was playing outside, uh, you know, less than 50% of the time instead of, you know, 90% of the time. So right. uh, he, he would do very well in a, in, a, in a dome environment. I hope that's not something he leaves us for, but, uh, uh, but he would do very well in that environment. But anyway, when I come back to it, I, I, Sammy Watkins can help you some with that situation. But Sammy Watkins is not a cure-all for being there in the postseason when the conditions are not good for passing. If the, if the conditions allow the defense to you know, effectively play coverages they would not play in the regular season because they're afraid to do it against Lamar, uh, and 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 squinch in on the on the Ravens run attack. You know, it's it's just something that the Ravens don't have a good answer for, and neither does another team. No, you know what the answer is is the offensive line not getting its butt whooped because there you, you can't throw, and so that's why the Ravens invested into Zeitler, and that's why I'm hoping they still make another big investment to make Lamar give him a wall, um, because I do think in the playoff losses that has also been another common thread is the offensive line has just gotten smoked when yeah. when the ravens have have gotten stopped yeah that's true they've looked like night and day relative to what they did in the regular season and that, that is definitely something that's been a problem it's a problem against problem big problem against tennessee it was a problem against san diego and it's probably against buffalo all three of those games scoring them was uh was misery yeah yeah so uh a couple thoughts on on injuries okay here's the reality if sammy Watkins does get injured and plays like eight games or less, the Ravens will rightfully uh, get criticized, in my opinion. I mean, there's a reason why he wasn't their, their number one option in free agency. And I think everything we've talked about is showing us that Sammy, when healthy, is a really good fit. 
a really good fit in terms of versatility, the extended plays, the run blocking, all of that. He's a really good fit. And underlying it all is always the injuries. And so here is what I will say if you want some hope that maybe he'll make it to the 12 or more that we just talked about. Number one, I don't know if you if you saw this. Um, somebody had sent me an article from back after the Super Bowl from Bleacher Report that went into the personality of Sammy Watkins. I learned a ton from it. He's a very, very interesting guy. This whole article is about Sammy is very into good versus evil, evil spirits, demons, all that kind of stuff, and he sees it. And 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 it's I mean he he'll say he said in there, he goes, I know people think I'm weird. Aliens, stuff like that. And he he would talk about how Andy Reid and Mahomes were really good to him. Like, like Andy Reid, I could see him totally be like, I guess in a practice, he's like, hey, those aliens like would like joke with him about it. And the whole team knew about it. The receiving room knew about it. So he's still like that. He's a very interesting dude. Very deep, very talkative, very deep. But the reason why I bring this up is because he was in a really, really dark place when he first got drafted. He saw crazy things as a kid. His friends shot point blank in front of him. Uh, Some of his family members and friends at the time were put into jail for different, I mean, really, and he went into a deep depression. He said in his first couple years in Buffalo, he, he, he like emphasized this. He went out and got wasted and he would say wasted, wasted every single night. So he would, and then it got to the point where he wasn't just drinking out at the clubs with people, it got to the point where he'd be in his basement and he'd drink until oh, six geez. until four AM. He'd sleep two hours and get up at six. So he said, and this is his interview right after the Super Bowl. He's like, I know for a fact that part of my early injury problems was because I was not treating my body well at all. In fact, he was damaging it. And so he was able to work through once he got traded, he kind of worked through Um, some of his depression didn't completely get through it. Um, but then KC, he got a lot of, a lot better. Um, now in KC, the injuries that he had were mostly soft tissue injuries. Now, Ken, you know, this, the Ravens went through a couple years where they kept having injury after injury and they were soft uh, tissue injuries. Mm -hmm. And that's why they brought in, help me with his name, the strength and conditioning coach Saunders. Okay. Um, and ever since he took over, the Ravens have dramatically um, cut down on their soft tissue injuries. So the reason why I bring it up, this is just the optimistic side. Okay. If you need some optimism with it is you'd like to think those bigger injuries from his early of the year, if you're, if you're to believe him and, and he was treating his body wrong, that's going to hurt you. And so now you hope that the Ravens, once they get him in, they can help him in the strength and conditioning program. Cause they're very like the, 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 the test, the, um, What's the test that guys fail going into training camp? Uh, the, conditioning. It's the conditioning test. Yeah, that's yeah. something like the Ravens are very serious about this. All the stretching, all of that, and so hopefully, um, getting that he's not drinking like that anymore, and that he's um, the, under the Ravens' um, guidance. That hopefully they can cut down on those soft tissue injuries. Like that. That really is the hope. But even if you have that optimism. Um, the Ravens cannot put all that eggs, all their eggs in that basket. And that's why I'm still a massive advocate that the Ravens draft a wide receiver in one of the top three rounds. Okay. Um, I mean, top three, it's a possibility, but it really does mean which round do you mean? Because mm-hmm. the, the first round is 60% of the Ravens draft capital. 
Mm-hmm. The second round is another big slice of the Ravens' remaining draft capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, it, it, you know, people will say, we need to draft one of the top three rounds. Okay, Ravens have had a lot of success drafting in the mid-rounds over the years. But mm-hmm. if you're really saying they should spend their first-round pick on a wide receiver, that's where I think I'd, I'd differ. And I think they much more need an edge player at this point. I would, no, I'd that's, that's definitely not why I said I didn't say in the, in the first round. And I say that because... It seems to me as I look back, the Ravens have like drafted a number of first round receivers, and then there's a ton of those fourth, fifth, and sixth round receivers. Yeah. And they and haven't so, worked out very often. And they haven't worked out very often. And so I so I leave it open with the top three, and I know that's a that's a big that's a pretty big window, mm-hmm. but I I don't want it to be the fourth round or back because those 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 haven't worked out. Like ever <laughs> like uh, you know and, and even some of the first rounders and, and the higher rounds ones but the reason why i say top three is because they have enough needs that they don't need a stretch right like you said the edge defender an interior offensive lineman or a wide receiver are all you know pretty pretty decent needs or or if it's a tight end i guess i'd be i'd be happy in the top three rounds if it's not a wide receiver then you get another tight end but um my point is though is the way the ravens put all their eggs in the basket on their two second year players I don't want to see repeated with with Sammy. Okay, I want the depth there to be like, you know what? We realize especially cause injuries can happen to any football player at any time. Sure. But you can't deny the fact that it's happened more to Sammy Watkins than anybody else. So I really like this signing if they have the depth. And and Miles Boykin is one. If if Sammy Watkins were to get injured, then then Boykin will go back to his same role or a similar role to last year. But I want another physical, big-bodied wide receiver in those first three rounds. And I know it's a big window, but I'm saying I don't want it in the fourth through seven. Okay, I mean that that's reasonable. The Steelers have have you know built their franchise basically drafting receivers in the second and third round and later. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Ravens could could latch onto something that magic could be good. Obviously, uh, you know with uh, Williams and Martin, they've got a couple of guys that that should revamp elements of the passing game. It's interesting that Roman came to this offense as a run game coordinator. Mm-hmm. tight ends coach or whatever the hell they were calling him at the time to, 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 <laughs> to, to I think offensive coordinator and waiting was what he probably was the whole time. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting that, that these other guys are coming in to help assist the passing game, but it's, it's not hard to see that being a potential succession plan down the road. And uh, Williams in particular, I believe is the one who's worked with Watkins previously. So that's, uh, that's exciting to have them back together and see if they can uh, really do some positive things. They should at least have a connection to start. But just to clarify, um, Keith Williams is the pass game specialist, not a pass game coordinator. And John Harbaugh made that very clear because everybody kept comparing him to um, uh, Coley because Coley was like the pass game coordinator slash assistant head coach. Like John Harmon made it very clear. He wants Williams working on technique, not just with wide receivers, but tight ends, even running backs or whatever, that they may figure out this technique. So to me, I think this is another move that the Ravens are saying, we recognize that developing wide receivers has been an Achilles heel in this organization. Yeah. 
And, and we also recognize that we're not going to spend a lot of money on wide receivers and wide receivers, veterans, probably this isn't going to be our, their first choice because it's a run first defense. So they recognize all that and specifically went after coaches that they're like, we've got to change this narrative that we can't develop wide receivers. And so they're going to, and they've drafted more wide receivers in the last two years than any other team. So they're clearly going to the draft to, to, to do receivers, but they want to get the coaches that can develop them. So they clearly see it as a need and they're, and they're really attacking it. They really are trying to change that narrative. Yeah. I mean, th- that's exciting. And I think it's important for them to try and figure out how that's not the answer. Um, but that, that being said, I mean, the Ravens offense is extremely successful run yes. as it is. It yes. does not need to be overhauled. And the, the nope. situation historically in baseball that comes up all the time is the, the Cleveland Indians traded Rocky Colavito just as he was entering his top prime for a five-year period. And then they reacquired him when he wasn't any good anymore. And it, it's it, it, they did it after they were already were the second best offense in the American League. And it's you don't do that kind of silliness. I mean, you don't just, mm-hmm. you know trade everybody, deconstruct the whole thing, completely change everything you you want in terms of run pass options and whatnot. I mean, this is an offense that needs a minor tweaking. It needs some better threats to attack the rest of the field, but it doesn't need to be completely overhauled. Completely agree. They've scored the most points of the last two years than any other offense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's tweaking. It's not changing. I completely agree. All right. Outstanding. Sarah, it's, it's so much pleasure to, to have a, a conversation with you about football. It's just one of the most fun things I ever do. <laughs> so really appreciate having you on again. Uh, uh, tell people what you're working on right now. You have any any projects you're working on? You know what I want to I want to look at because somebody had um, brought it to my attention. You know what I want to look at? Because everybody keeps saying this is a passing league and it is. OK, but somebody had tweeted me today some superficial uh, research and I want to look into it on how many teams won the Super Bowl after they spent a bunch of money on free agent wide receivers. <laughs> and so and it was like none in the last 20 years. Okay. So is it a passing league because your quarterback or is it a passing league because of the wide receivers? Yeah. And so what I want to look into is um, the highest paid wide receiving teams. And how many of them went deep? Like, how deep did they get into the playoffs? That's a, it's a great study. I'd love to discuss that with you because yeah. I just like to look at every free agent wide receiver move and see how mm. many of those ever really pay off on a per dollar basis. Right. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to try and try and chart as well. Because, I mean, a lot of times it's a bad team that needs to try and patch a hole. So I'm not sure that you can really or, the, or like you say, it's quarterback driven. So the quarterback's already there and he's making all the receivers look good mm-hmm. like Lamar was in 20. 19 say mm-hmm. um so it, it, it's it's not that that's driving your equation but i think it would still be fun to look at um receivers and try and and try and understand how much return did teams get on them after signing big uh free agent deals and i guarantee you it's not good right it's not good and if yeah. they're if it is good it's probably an outlier but that's what i need mm-hmm. to look into to make sure because all i kept hearing this 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 since the raven season ended well well um they gave d hopkins to tyler murray and then for allen they gave him um everybody uh, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and of course their passing numbers went up but 
What did Tyler Murray do? And and I'm sorry, but Allen made it one more game than the Ravens. And as you said, it's not like their passing game was really that great, it, you know, in, in that weather. And so, so really... That's what everybody keeps saying is the secret for the Ravens is this number one wide receiver. Spend big, go for it. Stop being cheap on their on the on on the wide receivers. But but I want to look at this league wide and really see, yeah, is it the wide receivers or is it just because the, the quarterbacks are that good? Right. That are winning the Super Bowls. So anyway, that's it. But then otherwise I'm on Twitter, SG Ellison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, to answer your question on what I'm working short, on. Short and to the point. Really appreciate yeah. that. She's very active on Twitter. Make sure you engage her because she'll she'll get in a, a good long discussion with you. She won't just let the point drop. And, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, people who contact me on Twitter as well, too. And, and uh, I try to be as responsive as I can. Uh, oftentimes, if I like your comment, it means I understand. And, and, and we ought to talk, we've talked about this before a little bit, but I, I understand your position and, and I appreciate that you responded to my, I don't necessarily agree with what right. you're saying, but that's okay. Cause everyone's entitled to their opinion and, and, and should, uh, do it there. Um, it doesn't usually help to continually be hounding on the same points that usually does not help, but, uh, but yeah. have at it if you need to have at it and, uh, and make yourself feel better. Uh, Sarah, uh, pleasure having you on again. I uh, hope we'll have you on lots during this off season because there's lots of opportunity to talk about stuff. But uh, uh, thanks for doing this show on particular short notice and, and being so informed in terms of what's going on. Sure thing. I can't believe we just did an hour and six minutes on one player. <laughs> so that's just you and me, Ken. <laughs> All right. You know, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.